OP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to, episode 45. As we stare down the possibility of another rainy couple of days, just try to focus on the forecast for next week and get your sunscreen ready and your shorts out. 90 degrees are in the forecast. It's coming. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to Northwestern Mutual for being the official sponsor of me rambling for a while. Thank you to you all for listening, and if you're looking for an internship this summer, as a college student, check out Northwestern Mutual. All right, I would like to start by saying thank you. Thank you to all the nurses and all the teachers out there. You deserve more than a special week to be appreciated, but a teacher appreciation week, so I want to say thanks. It's also Nurses Week, and being married to one, And having a couple more in the family has certainly taught me that they are very undervalued, underpaid, and underappreciated. I get to watch sports and cut videos for a living. They are helping people get better and saving lives each and every day. Thank you to my wife for for being a nurse and thank you to all the nurses out there. As far as teachers go, I want to say thank you to them as well. I attended a funeral this week of a former teacher of mine, Mike Filter, was a man that touched many lives with his passion for his craft and I will be forever grateful for what he taught me in high school. My heart absolutely breaks for a classmate of mine, Megan, his daughter, who somehow now has to tell her child who attends the same daycare as my daughter that they can't go see grandpa anymore. Prayers to Mrs. Filter, to Matthew, to Megan, and Molly, and to his grandchildren. Thank you to Mr. Filter for being a great servant of Christ. And Rest easy. Okay, let's get to the podcast portion where I talk about what I saw in the past week in local sports. Last Thursday... Got to see New Berlin and Riverton baseball and the Pretzels pick up the big win. I still haven't seen their best, I don't think, but I wouldn't want to see the Pretzels in the postseason with the flashes I have seen. On Friday, got to some soccer. The first half of the Glenwood girls game, the Titans beat Morton 3-1. I've said it before, but I'll say it again with what is likely a few more Glenwood folks listening to this podcast. Glenwood is capable of making a state run this season. They have all the pieces. Offense from multiple weapons, a great defense, and a coach who's been there a few times. We'll get to more on that later. Also Friday, Pleasant Plains putting on an absolute clinic against Williamsville to win their tournament six goals in the first half and a dominant performance from Greg Bryan's girls. More on them in a minute. Monday afternoon, a little college baseball action. Heartland versus Lincoln Land. And it's absolutely awesome to see Ben Hartle and Sam Antonacci crushing it at the college level. I know it doesn't surprise anyone who's seen them play, but the Hawks are a really, really good team all the way around. And with Hartle and Antonacci in there, It's great to see them play. Also Monday, more from Pleasant Plains Soccer. They struggled a bit in Athens, but still get a 1-0 win to claim the Sagamo Conference title. They're a great team who will be a tough out next week in the postseason. Yes, that's right. Postseason soccer starts next week already. On Tuesday, the rain allowed me to see a couple teams we haven't seen yet this year. I was very impressed with Athens softball. They have a good team and some great young pieces. Watch out for them in the postseason and in the coming years. Big shout out to Bobby this week for his awesome coverage of track. He got the Sagamo meet on Tuesday and the girls CS8 meet on Wednesday. Those are very, very long days and nights. On Wednesday for me, made the trip north to see the big one in the CS8 for baseball. The top two teams in the conference. Springfield High gets the win over U-High thanks to sophomore Seth Impson with another complete game win. Huge win for the reigning state champs. One more game in that series likely decides who wins the conference. Doesn't look like we'll get that game in on Thursday with the forecast, but if not, they'll play that game on Monday evening at Robin Roberts. That's the plan for Thursday It's to get to that game if they play it. Also Thursday night, U-High 
Soccer is at Glenwood. Titans with a chance to, I think, win a share of the CSA title after the ladies locked up the track conference title on Wednesday. On Friday, keep an eye out for the Sagamon County track meet. Tons of talent right here in the area. You've heard the name Lanin before, but the freshman Caitlin Lanin is absolutely killing it already. Can't wait to see what she does these next four springs as a Titan. Saturday, Glenwood is hosting a tennis tournament. Keep an eye out for the New Berlin at Beardstown baseball game. That's a good matchup. Beardstown, pretty solid team in 2A. On Monday next week, we'll see if we get you high at Springfield baseball. That'll decide the conference most likely. Also Monday, keep an eye out for Tri-City at Mount Pulaski Baseball. That's a good small school matchup. On next Tuesday, U-High Baseball travels to Jacksonville. The big one in the soccer slate for the CS8 next week. Rochester at Glenwood Soccer. That's a huge matchup between two really, really good teams. That's what's coming up on Channel 1450 in the next week. Now let's talk about this week's guest, which is probably why you're all here. Glenwood graduate Kelly Graves joins me to talk about what she's been up to since winning the state title in Chatham. It was a few years ago, but that's okay. We had an incredible conversation about mental health with student-athletes. Let's just get to it. I would like to welcome in Kelly Graves to the podcast this week. Uh, Kelly is a graduate of Glenwood High School. That's how Channel 1450 knows her, but um, she is uh, way more famous than that. I think that's safe to say. Um, last time we spoke with her was Zach Kirker did an episode of The Life. And I know Zach's been gone for three years now, so let's uh, catch everybody up on what you're doing, how you are, and uh, kind of just the timeline from Glenwood Soccer when you won a state title, which was which was a few years ago now. Oh goodness, that was quite some time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, thanks for having me on. This is really cool. Um, yeah, I remember vividly sitting down with Zach at uh, Glenwood High School and chatting it up with him. But yeah, since then. Few things have changed, I guess. Uh, graduated from VCU after four years of playing soccer there, and then I went on to UIS to be Erin Golf's assistant uh, for the women's soccer team while attempting to complete a master's in clinical mental health counseling. And I did not finish it, and instead I moved down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I reside now getting a PhD in clinical psychology. Okay, so let's start with Glenwood High School, um, and then we'll kind of work our way up to the future. Um, what do you remember now about, you know, kind of just your time at Glenwood? And uh, I don't think people understand or remember how good your team was making it to state four years in a row. Um, it's something that, like, for us at Channel 1450, we've only seen with Rochester football besides with Glenwood Soccer, where a team goes to state every single year for four years. Looking back at that now, how ridiculous was that and how hard was that and how much do you kind of appreciate that now? Oh my gosh, that's a really good point. It was just a ton of fun. Like every single year at Glenwood, we had so much fun and it almost just seemed like that was in a weird way, that was just our routine. Yeah. Like, we got after it on the field. We had fun together as a team. The team chemistry each year, even with changing people coming in and out, it seemed to remain clicked. And looking back on it, it's absolutely ridiculous to 
have that kind of record of going to state and play that many extra games each year certainly helped us in the long run. Um, but, oh my gosh, yeah, how rare is that? Really, really cool to be a part of. Really cool. And then you get the opportunity to play Division One soccer, like we talked about, at VCU. Um, what's what's that like, just kind of the jump from Glenwood, where you obviously had a lot of success, and playing at State, you're, you're challenged. But, I mean, at the D1 level, it's just another, another level. Oh, absolutely. Um, you go from thinking you're really good to then realizing everybody was really good where they came from, you know? And now you're all in this on this team together figuring each other out and you know finding ourselves in our new like player style I guess and also joining a team where everybody was their you know star at their high school or whatever so it certainly was an adjustment but oh boy do you quickly learn that uh, you are this, you know, little fish now, <laughs> so to say. And it is awesome because if you're up for the challenge, then there's so much room for growth there. Then you, so you get done with your career at VCU. Um, how hard is it to, to hang up the cleats, so to speak, and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play at this level like this again um, when you, that's all you've known for probably since you were three or four years old? Oh my gosh, it was very weird. It was very weird. I still have my physical cleats from my senior year of college. Haven't thrown them away yet. They're gross. I really should. <laughs> um, but oh, I think I was like begging Aaron Egolf to put me in some training sessions with yeah. the UIS girls, you know? And it's just amazing how quickly that time went by. Um, I'm looking for competitive leagues down here yeah. I have the itch again you know <laughs> it's just it's such a beautiful game I enjoy it so much but to actually put on a school uniform and really play for a university like like we did was such a great feeling and that's what I like that's what I really miss that feeling of playing with that group of girls for for your school was so cool so the opportunity to come back kind of close to home and like not be a part of a team but you still I mean you were a part of a team when you're a coach so did that kind of help the transition out of you know being uh, a division one athlete where your your time is very valuable oh certainly it oh my gosh it helps so much to still be a part of a team just in general because that's what you really miss right it's not any particular thing it's the relationships you made and the friendships you made and being in that team environment that team culture uh, that's what you really really miss when you kind of leave college athletics so to go from there to being still in it even if I was in like a coach's capacity I was still in that team and it was a very nice transition at least I wasn't like going cold turkey (laughs) And unless you win, unless you win a national title like in dramatic fashion or something like that, the things you remember most are you know the bus trips, the the times in the locker room where I mean the rain delay, stuff like that. Where I mean you're a part of that group and nobody else knows what that feels like. And so I mean to to kind of jump out of that is is tough for a lot of athletes, no matter what level they're at. Oh, absolutely. 
Transitioning into college sports and out of college sports is incredibly difficult. And that's also where, of course, mental health comes into play as well. But that's something that just simply isn't talked about, like, quite enough. And they are incredibly difficult. Like, I would say they're both equally difficult, but they're difficult in their own ways. So, oh yeah, hanging up the cleats and losing that, you know, it's not just the last four years, it's the last bit of, I mean, since you were probably walking, you were probably playing that sport, so... Um, it's it's a lot to just leave all after one game because you spend so much time with your team and your teammates, and then you graduate, and you know people have lives, people have kids, people get married, stuff like that. Where you might see them once a year, when you literally spent probably twenty of the twenty four hours a day with this with this group of people, and that disconnect uh, is, is tough for a lot of people. Oh, it's really hard, and it's nice to see people, you know, we have social media and we can catch up and, and see how people are doing, um, but yeah, going from spending every waking minute with each other, from going to class, to lifting, back to lunch, to eating together, then you go to practice together, then you maybe have a night class together, you know, it's just incessant, it never ends, and then all of a sudden, boom, you guys are gone your separate ways, so it's it's... It's sad, and that's why you definitely got to cherish every second you have. I always, when I got to UIS, I felt like such a like an old <laughs> woman saying this, but I was like, "You guys just, you know, cherish these bus rides, you know." Um, you're like, "Okay, Kelly, I'm sure yeah. in their minds," but I was dead serious. It, it's what you miss. And I feel like a lot of people kind of in different aspects, but also in that kind of learn that lesson during covid because a lot of that got taken away a lot of that time got taken away a lot of the interaction got taken away um so i feel like i feel like now athletes do understand and appreciate that a little bit more um but to experience it the way that that you do and then just get it taken away when it's it's gone it's gone and and you can't go back to your freshman year of college ever again that's that's not going to be nothing's going to be the same Absolutely. I just miss COVID in terms of me, myself, as a student athlete. Um, but I was coaching during it, and gosh, I just saw all these players, and I felt so freaking terrible for them because, you know, you're not only just an athlete in, that, in college. You're a young person, and so part of a big part of your life is being social. And making those new friends because you just left your home for the first time. And all these people just left their home and they're on their own. And then they're stuck in the in their dorm room or yeah. they're stuck in their apartment. And they can't even go do the one thing, play soccer, that they really wanted to do. And it's, it's very, I, it was very hard to like be there also for them when there's a pandemic, you know. You can't physically, like, be there all the time. So, gosh, COVID really rocked rocked student-athletes' world, for sure. So tell me about your your pursuit now of your PhD and kind of how that's changed. Like you mentioned, the course has changed a little bit. So why did that change, and, and what, what do you have left? What are you working towards? So I am working towards being a clinical psychologist for professional and college uh, student athletes. That is the end goal. 
at the end of it, I've got like four years left. So, <laughs> you know, knock on wood, four years from now. But um, yes, um, definitely throughout my time as an athlete, we're all very focused on our physical bodies and our physical health. And, you know, when you get to the collegiate level, it kind of hits you that there's more involved than uh, showing up physically every day. So mentally, if you're not there, it plays a huge role on your performance and your academics and your quality of life. And I certainly learned this through myself, but also through all of my teammates and all of the student athletes around me. And of course, there's this big stigma surrounding mental health too. Um, But goodness, once once both of those pieces are together, your physical and mental health, your quality of life is just so much better. And there are, you know, strength coaches, there are soccer, there's your sport coaches, there's your athletic trainers, there's your team doctors. All these athletes have their physical bodies good, but they do not have enough support uh, for their mental states. And I certainly want to be one of those people. It's a growing career that is opening up and almost all division ones are are getting their professional organizations. Uh, The NBA, MLB, NFL, all have mandated licensed clinicians now. So people are starting to see that yeah, these athletes, their physical bodies are covered, but they're more than just physical bodies. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, colleges everywhere at any level will say how important a strength and conditioning coach is. Will say how important you know dietitians are and stuff like that. Right. And I think as we've learned in the past few years of of information just exploding, there's no lack of money at the at any level of college athletics. Like, there's money coming in everywhere, and the most important thing is to have these student-athletes be student-athletes and be alive and be um, healthy. And so, like you said, the the occupation is growing, but how fast do you see it growing? How fast will not only the Division I levels have multiple doctors, but, I mean, JUCOs, I mean, high schools at this point, I feel like it's just as important. Oh, absolutely. And people are starting to figure that out. I, I wish it could be much faster than it is. And you're right. They're, they're, I mean, the NCAA is a billion-dollar company rolling in each year. So it's just like you feel that there are funds, but where are they going? Um, are they being allocated to this kind of profession? Do they see the importance in it? Um, you know, how many times are we going to have to show the importance in it before it's made a priority? It shouldn't, Uh, it shouldn't cost people's lives to show the importance of, of this by any means. Absolutely. And it's just so difficult because, you know, those physical things are just really easy to see. Like, obviously there's a need for strength coaches and, and athletic trainers and your sport coaches and your doctors because everyone can see physically when something goes wrong but there are so many athletes that are physically good but they're not you know they're not playing to their optimum level 
because mentally they're somewhere else. And I experienced that myself. And it's, it's very hard for people to recognize it in themselves. It's hard for coaches to, to recognize that in their players. And, you know, it's, it's just not as easy as a physical injury. So it's taking, unfortunately, more time than it should to show its importance. Why is this what you chose to do? Why is this important? Why do you feel like this is your calling in life? Oh, that's a good, that's good, that's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like it's always been my calling. I mean, going through my own experience in college and then Going to therapy myself, VCU had an awesome sports psychologist. He's still there. Um, and I went and saw him. And, yeah, like, I was starting as a freshman, playing 90 minutes a game. I had everything going for me, which is such the, you know, caveat of of being a student athlete and coming home. Everyone thinks you got everything going for you. Oh, no, I was not well, not well at all. And I went to therapy and saw its massive, massive benefit on my quality of life. And then I look around to all my teammates and all these student athletes, and they're all feeling the same way that I did, you know? And it just takes talking a little bit. All of a sudden, people are feeling comfortable around me that I've, you know, expressed this vulnerability that I went to therapy and things like that. And now all of a sudden you just see it growing more and more people are becoming more comfortable. And I'm finding myself noticing that this is a way larger, deeper issue in collegiate sports than I could have ever thought. Because of course everyone thinks they're alone in their, in their stuff, but certainly not the case. And ever since then, I've had this, like, undying passion to show athletes that they are more than just athletes. They're people, and they deserve a great quality of life. You know, they're not just there to produce goals or, or buckets or, you know, a decent uh, mile of time. You know, it's, it's just we're all humans on this earth. <laughs> we should probably take this one shot this one bit of life this life that we have and um let our athletes be humans and not just products so yeah no i just rambled a bit but very very passionate this is definitely i'm in the right place so excited to get this degree and really help uh, so first of all i want to say thank you for sharing that part of your story i think that's important for people to understand and I, I kind of want to ask, you know, like you said, you were the star as a freshman coming in. You had, quote unquote, everything going for you. How hard was it to walk into that office for the first time? How hard was it to walk out of your dorm room and say, I'm going to go do this today because I have to. I need to. This is something that I have to take care of for myself. Oh, it was incredibly hard. Like, I was basically willing my legs to move left leg, go forward, right leg, go forward. It was horrific. And then after one semester of it, 
I was like, oh my God, that was so necessary for me. You know, that was just so important. And you realize, just like asking for help with your athletic trainer, just like asking for extra help with your strength coach, this is that. This is exactly that because your mind and your body are connected and they work together in order to live your life. And I thought about the pain of that day of going to therapy for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh. At the end of it all, I'm like, I don't want other student athletes to feel that kind of pain that they had to will their legs to walk into an office just to talk about stuff going on that's normal. You know, it's like, I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. That was awful. And it was very lonely. So... And then at the same time, at the end of it, it was so important that I did it. So, you know, I have no problem sharing, sharing that kind of stuff because it's important. And I absolutely, of course, walking into that office, tons of shame involved, tons of shame. But at the end of it, and especially who I am now, like, oh, my goodness. Yes. If you want to talk about therapy, let's talk about it. I want to become a therapist. This is so important and so necessary and um oh yeah i never want someone to experience that kind of kind of pain just going into a therapy session what happens if you don't do it what happens if your legs don't let you and you you didn't make that trip and you decided to just you know power through and be strong and and do what you do and and be fine what happens if you don't do that it catches up to you um I always, especially with questions like this, I love to relate it to physical health, physical injuries. So what happens if you let a nagging injury go? You know, at the end of the day, what happens if you let a stress fracture go and you don't rest? What happens if, just like anything else, it gets built up and it gets worse and it'll come back and it'll bite you even harder and... In terms of mental health stuff, your relationships could suffer, your academics could suffer, your, you know, you might lash out on people that you love, you might become, um, you might find your everyday life to be a huge, huge struggle. There, there are many, many things, just like letting physical injuries go, letting mental injuries go can lead to really really, really um, unfortunate and upsetting events. How much does it suck that this is such a prevalent conversation these last couple weeks because of what college athletes are going through right now and what's in the news? It is very upsetting. It's, 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 it's hard to put into words because we've had, let's see, I think it, it was like four student athletes over the last little bit over a month who have died by suicide. And I like to, you know, say that out loud because a lot of these articles, a lot of these um, news bits are not saying that. It's like, we are sorry for this, you know, loss in our hearts. And then at the bottom it says, you know, 
uh, mental health support here. So I definitely want to get across that, you know, mental health is just so important. And so it is so upsetting to to have so many tributes for so many young people in, in such a short amount of time. It's, it's, it's definitely hard to put into words. And I'm hoping it does more than just start a conversation. I'm hoping it sparks a little more change in administrations, in the mind of coaches, in the mind of the people who surround student-athletes, in the mind of student-athletes themselves. People will say that, you know, those people were sick. They had, obviously, their problems. But what, what can they do? What? Why is that the wrong thing to just dismiss it and say they were sick? Because, I mean, is it just because of the fact that people are afraid to talk about it, that it, it's not available for everyone to, to be open to? You know, I think um, it's still very hard for some people to wrap their mind around mental health issues and things like that. And it sucks to talk about. It's hard for people to talk about. But one of the main things we do, especially in, in therapy, is normalize these feelings. Normalize uh, these dark thoughts because they, many people, many, many people have them. And just to say that somebody is sick and... Um, you know, it's just really underlining what's going on because there, in order for something like that to happen, there are a lot of things involved. And of course, depression is in play. There are serious mental health issues in play. However, there is such a strong stigma uh, in play as well for the people themselves and surrounding them that, you know, it's the support should be there, and sometimes they totally have support. Sometimes this is something that is you can try your best to prevent, but it'll happen anyways. Mm-hmm. However, we are not really, really trying to prevent it. Like, we can do such a better job. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very complex. And just to put something on it like, they were sick and didn't go get the support. It's the, you know, that's just very insensitive and not true. Is there any good that can come out of the fact that, I mean, it's now being brought to light a lot more and, you know, it is in the news. Um, like you said, I mean, they always put the, the links at the bottom, but I mean, to see that and be like, oh, you know, I'm going through that too. What should I do? It's, I don't feel like that would help to people just like, oh, I'm going to go click that link because, you know, they died. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to exactly word that question. But, I mean, is there any good that can come out of this being so prevalent in the news right now? Certainly. There's, there's certainly a conversation that is being held more often than not, which normalizes things. Um, there are certainly people, you know, talking about new jobs to be open. Uh, NCAA Jobs has already opened several positions in those tools for clinicians, um, which is great. 
Now, should it take a suicide to open that occupation up? No. Um, but, you know, I think it's great to be talked about more. However, there's a step that's kind of missing, which is, of course, it's, it's good to talk about it. Um, but we also need to talk about getting help for it. You know, so if someone says, oh, you know, mental health is, you know, let's normalize it, blah, 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 like let's break the stigma is not quite enough. Like we need to say going to therapy is okay. You know, going and seeking help is all right. I've done it. I've known a jillion other people that have done it. And there's that piece that's missing. So like, like. Like Heaven Love or Simone Biles, like they come out and they said, I go to therapy or uh, and or I take medication and stuff. That is really helping people understand that. Okay, so it's also it's okay if I have these feelings and it's also okay to go seek help for it. Because that second piece is really hard to do, especially for athletes, a lot of people. Um it's sticking in that, you know, depressive or anxious, whatever, for a very long time. Just saying, like, the feelings are fine only goes so far. You know, you shouldn't, nobody should live like that for an extended period of time. So going to therapy, doing that kind of thing is, is definitely a topic of conversation that should be had. A lot more. As crappy as it is to say, I think it's also safe to say that um, you mentioned Kevin Love. Guys like that were criticized for you know for admitting that they they have issues or that they are talking about it. Um, how do you, how do you break that stigma of you know I'm a tough guy, I'm a football player, I'm a ba- like I'm an athlete, I shouldn't have to deal with this. How is that possible to break, or is that going to take you know generations of of just working at it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take people around the student athletes, people and the student athletes themselves to take, you know, a hard look in the mirror and be, and ask themselves like really how they want to live. And of course, I had that stigma to the core when I first was, like, walking in uh, to that therapy office. Like, I cannot believe I'm going to do this right now. Like, wow, what is wrong with me? You know, and it's sad. It's sad to think that just you're just because you're an athlete, you're supposed to be this unbreakable, like, force. You're, you're a person first. Like, you're a human being, just like everybody else. And just because you've played this tough sport or you're in this uh, Division One program or whatever, doesn't mean that you can't also have issues in your home life that's affecting you or issues in your relationships or issues at school or issues on your team. Like, you're a human. And that's what I think is, is missing. Uh, the toughness mentality is just so quick to go to because that's how we were all raised for you know in athletics and things like that. But it's just not um, 
at the end of the day, if your quality of life is suffering, like your athlete identity is not serving you in that in that mode. And then to judge others on seeking help is is a reflection of you. You know, it is a reflection of your own biases and judgments and I would hope for that person, whoever's saying that, if they were to run into a similar issue, I hope they would get help. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think in the area in the era of social media of of Instagram, of Twitter, of not only seeking that attention and wanting that, but also, I mean, student athletes get that attention, um, but you also are highly criticized. Um, you're also highly scrutinized. And places like Twitter can be so toxic to where, I mean, somebody who you don't know who is anonymous can really ruin your day, ruin your week, and say the meanest things in the world to you. Um, so how, how does the science of helping with mental health have to adapt to this this social media world that is, is great for certain things but also extremely toxic on the other hand right i think that's such a good point because a lot of these issues can stem from social media a lot of the issues of this world stem from social media and it is this society that we live in that is very very dependent on social media it's it's very hard because if you think about it which a lot of you know coaches of the next generation up or parents or whatever it may be have never lived as a young person in this time period uh where there really is not a whole lot of sense of self as a young person because everything is based on other people's opinions of you through social media, through your coaches, through your parents. Like The sense of self is, is just out the window for young athletes because they have spent most of their time growing up playing that one singular sport, maybe one other sport as well. Um, and then their time not playing that sport is probably on social media curating what their life looks like and what they want people or how they want people to view them. You can see like so many issues can arise from this, right? Because at the end of the day, they're falling back on other people's opinions of them. They leave everyone they know when they go to college and they're only reliant on their coach's opinion of them, on their teammates' opinion of them. And their sense of self has not even slightly been um, built up. So that reliance on on how your world is viewing you is very, you know, detrimental to these kids' mental health. I... I just want to pause and say I, I think this is just such a great conversation. I think I hope that it you know even if it helps one person, this is great. But I, I really I'm learning a lot and I appreciate this this so much because I, I just feel like this is this is an awesome conversation to have and, and I don't think people kind of get the access to understanding people like you who have been through it who are also studying it and kind of understand that. So just want to say thank you before we get to the end. But um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that you you. You know, reach out to me because you find it important. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of want to still talk a little bit about that social media aspect, but also kind of just 
you know, the, the science and biology of high school kids, college kids who are, like you said, student athletes who are working to get a scholarship, working to that next goal. Um, but they're also at times, you know, like you said, moving away from their family, experiencing new things, learning how to be an adult in a social media world outside of sports, um, learning how to be in this world after COVID, learning so many different things. Their bodies are changing. Their minds are changing. It just seems like a no-brainer that we need to have people paying attention to the mental aspect just as much for people who are shaping the future. Like to me, I mean, when you lay it out like that, it just seems like it makes so much sense, but I don't feel like people quite understand that yet. No, I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. It's it's just such a different world now because these young kids are growing up and they're not necessarily kids anymore, if, if that makes sense. So the youth sports um, industry, the youth sports industry in general is a billion-dollar industry with a big capital B, <laughs> which is awesome because more opportunity for people of course like it's a bit expensive which is another conversation (laughs) itself but um what is going on there right now so the new sports industry is a billion dollar industry right these kids are specializing in their sports at a very young age um they are receiving like specialized weight training at a very young age um and I'm seeing these studies on this kind of stuff and reading how this helps and hurts youth athletes out there uh, because everyone is seeing on social media. You know, everyone wants their kid. Everyone wants to be the kid in the co- I committed to this D1 graphic that's posted on Twitter. I wanted that. Everybody wants that, right? How um, many people actually get that? Percent right. Percentages of 1%. Right. So is, you know, is putting your kid, and I used to train um, like 8 to 12 year old girls and boys in soccer and stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of questions like, do I specialize them right now for soccer? Like, and I'm like, well, she's 8, you know, so is that... (laughs) Uh. <laughs> like it's 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 tough. It's tough because the the life of kids right now is very different. Social media is only full of highlights, right? So it's like here's what my kid achieved, or here's what I achieved. Here's what I'm doing right now. And whenever you meet with someone new, they're like, "What are you doing? What are you up to? Like, have you committed to a college? Or what are you doing to do that? Are you taking extra classes? How many offers do you have? How many stars are you? You know, yeah, all that. It's it's very, you know, oriented in this achievement base that, of course, these kids don't have a sense of self going into college. Um, But also in the articles I'm reading, you know, it's like the, (laughs) let alone the, the mental health stuff, Physically, so to give like a broad range, there is a study done, and in the last twenty years, adolescent ACL tears have increased twenty nine fold. Like adolescent ACL reconstruction surgeries, so not even tears, 
but like reconstruction surgeries for 15 year olds 14 year olds blowing out their knees right so there's this physical demand on kids these days that has never happened before and the study pointed to you know youth sports specialization is not helpful um one of the reasons like I think personally I was a good athlete was because I played basketball and soccer all the time. And those are working different muscles, right? Constantly. Yeah. Um, if you stay on one sport and work on one sport, typically you're using that one set of muscles, like maybe it's quad dominant sport or whatever. So less kids are playing freeze tag, less kids are playing kick the can, less kids are, you know, doing that kind of free play stuff and they are specializing in their sport um, at a younger age and it's showing an increase in burnout, increase in mental health issues. At the end of the day, they have less creativity. In those other games, you learn, you know, yourself and you learn also teamwork, of course, and things like that, but there's that creativity involved in a game like tag or something The mental aspect of it, yeah. Yes, of not feeling pressure to perform, you know, to that extent of playing soccer or playing basketball, you know. It's it's that free, fun play that is going down in youth sports. The injury, the blown-out knees, um... I think is just kind of a physical picture of what's going on. It's a lot easier to physically put on a graph ACL tears of 15-year-olds. You can only imagine what the mental toll there is, you know? It's really hard to put a mental toll on a graph. But if the physical toll is 29 times greater in the last 20 years of youth sports, it's crazy. This, This graph was absolutely insane. You can only imagine what they're going through mentally with all of them having social media and things and the parents having social media, wanting the best for their kid. Of course, every parent wants the best for their kid, right? So, absolutely. Um, There's just so much that goes into the world right now, mentally, that it's hard for maybe an older generation to quite understand. Um, But it is at the forefront now like it needs to be talked about more to be a youth athlete right now to be a collegiate student athlete um, there are challenges that a lot of other people have just not had yet and i certainly don't want to knock youth sports like i was very lucky to play you know at gallagher for soccer and I wish I started earlier. I didn't start till high school. I wish I started like eighth grade or seventh grade, you know, because the opportunity was so great. Um, but at the same time, there are like there are drawbacks and, and there are advantages. And certainly, if you know you want to play at a high level and you want to do that, that's awesome. And I think youth sports is amazing, and you learn so much. I just think you know there should be red flags raised when. Uh, there's a 30-fold increase of adolescents blowing out their knees. You know, the physical demand is at a level that is not congruent with the age of the people that are playing. They're not professional athletes, you know what I mean? So the, the signing your kid up to be a pro baseball player at 12, 
could be the most amazing thing or it could really hurt them mentally and physically. So there's there's just so much involved. Just to touch uh, briefly a little bit more on you know specialization, I, I think it's safe to say that um, football is probably the most popular sport in the country at this point with the NFL being what it is. And just to talk about the example of right here in Springfield, Channel 1450 um, has, I think, five guys in the NFL right now. Daniel Helm played basketball and played football. Malik Turner played basketball and played football. Albert O played basketball, played football. Um, it, I mean, that just says right there. I mean, that's, that is what it is. Nick Broker at Ole Miss played basketball. He was an All-State basketball player. Um, there's so many examples. I mean, more recently uh, from Glenwood, Luke Lennon is playing football and baseball in college, and he's, he's been one of the best athletes around here in the last couple of years. Um, Hank Beatty from Rochester is going to Illinois played basketball, is now playing baseball and running track. It's like, you know, you don't have to specialize to be successful. If you are good, colleges are fi- are going to find you. You don't need to be all in, all committed at the age of 10 years old. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would even say if it's possible to play too in high school, I would absolutely do that as well. Like when parents ask me that kind of thing, don't let your child give up, you know, volleyball for soccer if they can do both. Because at the end of the day, if they play too much soccer, they're going to get burned out of soccer. And volleyball is helping them play soccer in ways that you might not be able to see, um, especially those hand sports. Like, you'll notice, especially in females, like if they play a sport like volleyball or basketball as well, they're better at heading the ball. Typically, like I've seen in youth that I've trained, because they are doing hand-eye coordination stuff so much more that they can judge balls out of the air so much better than other people who who maybe play like a foot-eye coordinated sport. So there's just so much stuff involved. I think it's great if your kid wants to play at a high level in one, uh, if it's possible to, you know, take a break from that and play something that's on the fun side. Absolutely, it doesn't feel like an obligation twenty four seven. You know, your your kids shouldn't feel like they're doing any sort of job. <laughs> um, and I certainly never felt that way, which definitely greatly helped me. Um, but there's there's this increased demand that's even higher than when I was in youth sports. Um, it amazes me that this is a debate topic, I guess, but recently around here, I guess it kind of was, um, was brought to my attention anyway, the thought of missing your prom to go to a club tournament on the weekend or something like that. I just want to get your thoughts on that because I, I feel like you, you may have some some wise wisdom to share on that aspect of things. You know, it's, it's just... <sighs> what... What are we going to sacrifice, you know? Um, How much are we going to sacrifice for a sport? Are we really putting sport at the very top of our own, like, self-identity, self-worth, self-everything, self-validation, all that kind of thing? I, I think it's just really important to evaluate 
how important sport is to us. And us, I'm a sports fanatic. I never, I never want to be off a team in my life. I'm going to be a sports psychologist for some team somewhere someday. And I love being on a team and being in sport. However, there comes a point where I'm also a person who has interests and wants to live a life outside of their occupation or their sport. And that is very important for quality of life. And especially for a young person, you know, being with friends and having that social life is incredibly, incredibly important. So, I mean, if you're going to a tournament that has like 50 college scouts or something and it's the only one of the year and it's on your prom maybe I can understand because uh, at the end of the day it's it's your life and you gotta decide what to do with it but uh, I really question like what are we doing this for you know is a lot I ask a lot of girls especially you know at UIS and stuff like are you going to play college soccer just to say that you did? Are you going D1 just to say that you went D1? <laughs> you know, is there an image thing that we're after or do we really want to do this? Um, and that's a question, you know, to ask a lot of our youth, a lot of our parents and stuff right now is uh, what, are, what are we really doing this for? Uh, yeah. I, I greatly appreciate your time. I kind of want to don't want to take too much of it. So um, I just have one more question kind of on this topic. Um, when I reached out and asked you to kind of come on and, and talk about, you know, what's prevalent in the news, what's what's going on with student athletes, um, kind of on the topic of mental health, um, what did you think about that we didn't talk about today? What's a topic that maybe I missed or I, I didn't bring up or don't quite understand or, some, or just, you know, something that you want to emphasize because – I feel like, it, I mean, I want it to be your, your kind of platform here. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I would say one really major kind of point that, you know, I would like to get across is if you are in and around youth athletes, student athletes, professional athletes, um, it's really important to come across as many times as possible that these people that are with you are people. You know, it's hard. As a Division One coach especially, your job does ride on a group of 18 to 22-year-old people that are all figuring themselves out, yes. However, at the end of the day, typically good performance good um, good time at a university or in high school is built on a relationship not a product base of coaching or of being around you know student athletes if you are working around student athletes you should care for them as people as humans first as an 18 year old kid first 20-year-old kid first, and then a student, and then an athlete. So it's a lot easier for them to play for you. It's a lot easier for them to work through, you know, whatever is going on. If they feel 
like they are in a place where they are actually cared for beyond uh, their product that they're giving you. And so like with that, if you are in and around student athletes, professional athletes, it is just incredibly vital to see them and treat them as people, humans first, and then, you know, the rest comes after. And there's one little bit I really wanted to hammer home here at the end, which was a few statistics. Because I know, you know, physical injuries, you can see. You can see casts and splints and things like that. Mental injuries are hard, are harder to grasp the severity of a situation, of the current situation that we're in. And that is that um, leading causes of death. So of 10 years old to 34 years old, the second leading cause of death is suicide behind unintentional injury. I just looked it up on NIH. Second leading cause of death of young people, 10 to 34, is suicide. This definitely, you know, puts a little stop to your heart. It, it does. It's, it's heartbreaking. It, it's uh, hard to put words to, and it just brings it to the forefront that this is a topic of conversation that is very important. Uh, it's something that's hard. I know it's so hard to talk about because it was, it was for me. It was for me, you know, five, six uh, years ago. It was a very hard topic of conversation. However, you know, it sparks a little bit of a flag, doesn't it? Like if, if something's really hard to talk about, maybe it's been neglected. Maybe it's a neglected topic of conversation. Maybe there's a reason I got so uncomfortable with the topic or I held the stigma so close to my chest. Oh, I was that athlete, mental toughness. However, you know, I hear people today say stuff like, uh, you know, when I was younger, we dealt with it with whatever or whatever it may be. Um, the fact of the matter is mental health issues are a part of life just like physical health issues are a part of life. And not one is better than the other or more like, you know what I mean? It's just one out of every four to five young people right now are enduring a mental health issue. So, and everyone, I know everyone has their own personal experience or lack thereof. But the fact is right now, one out of every four to five young people are in, currently enduring a mental health issue. So they're currently maybe really distressed and not know what to do. Maybe they're thinking about therapy. Maybe they're asking somebody about therapy or seeking support from a friend. Maybe they're currently in therapy. And I want to relate this to you're on a team of 30. Maybe you're a coach of a team of 30. Maybe you're an athlete on a team of 30. You're an athletic trainer that sees tons of teams a day. Strength coach sees tons of teams a day. You're a parent that has 10, 10 of your kids' friends over. 
okay? One out of every four to five young people right now are experiencing something troubling that you cannot see. Just like on a team, you probably have five, six, seven people out of 30 that are going to the athletic trainers regularly, right? To tend to those shoulder injuries, ankle injuries, whatever it may be. Um, You have five, six, seven athletes a week, maybe going multiple times a week to the athletic trainer for physical rehab. You may have five, six, seven athletes that need, want, are thinking about, or are participating in mental rehab. And that's what it is. And that's what one day you really hope you can get to is that mental, whether it's mental rehab, physical rehab, it's rehab, right? You're rehabilitating your body, your mind, body, spirit, mind, body, soul, however you look at it. There should be no stigma for helping yourself, right? This is improving your sport performance, whether it's mental or physical rehab, absolutely. More importantly, you're probably going to improve your quality of life, right? So one day, I hope there is is just no shame in that, in bettering yourself. And I know I've been on my soapbox for some time here, but the last thing I want to say was, you know, in tackling that stigma, um, it helps if, if you just start to view mental health as health, because that's what it is. Your mental health and your physical health are your overall health, and it is more than okay to prioritize your health. If there is an off chance of, of this helping someone, which I hope it does, um, and, and they're just curious or they, they do want to take that first step, what would you recommend? What's the best way to do that if, you know, if they don't know what to do or if they're scared? Because I feel like that's part of it is, you know, having that knowledge and, and being able to reach out. Right. If there's if there is someone in your life that you feel comfortable talking to, I'm sure that there is a reason that you feel comfortable talking to them. You know what I mean? So I would challenge that person to, you know, go to that person that they feel comfortable with and let them know whatever's going on. And if on the off chance that there isn't that person, you know, there are tons of people on, you know, if you Google therapists around or whoever that would be there, you know, and they're, and they're there for you. So... And, of course, there's the hotline and everything like that. Um, But please just don't sit alone and and think that you're alone in how you're feeling. Because it's, it's, there's so much more to you and um, you deserve, you know, the chance to work through it. And you definitely can. (laughs) If there is that person that you even think would be think would be comfortable reaching out to, um, I can promise that they'll be absolutely devastated the other way if, if something were to horribly go wrong in that situation. So I think that's great advice is just you know, there there is somebody who cares, I guarantee that, and it's like, okay, right. just just take that first step and, and I promise they will be there for you or somebody will be. Um, absolutely. 
So thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. I, I, this was a great conversation. I, I hope that it helped uh, somebody. I, I definitely learned a lot. So um, thank you so much, and, and thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Again, another huge thank you to Kelly for taking the time. That was a ton of fun, and I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor. Have a great weekend, everyone, and I'll see you next weekend.